0: This is Jim Fleming. Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you'd like to find out more about Steward Heights or more about our class, or if you'd like to leave us some feedback, you can do so at teachings.jim314.com. Enjoy the lesson. Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning, Jim. All right, let's start today with our Scripture Memory Passage review you got John 1, 14. i got to go first. You've got to you go first. John 1, 14. So i got three, three guys standing. Represent. There we go. All right. Four guys and Darla. I wouldn't want to take on that crew. Just so Because okay. you know, Darla would organize them into a fierce <laughs> <You're nervous>. fighting <laughs> machine. Yeah, I'm just stalling right now for you, Doug. That's all I'm doing is stalling right now. I'm just messing with you. So you have got 6 John 1, 14. If you know it, I've got like a, a prize table... Uh, Loaded down with cool stuff. So, John 1:14. Anybody else? Going once, going twice. Doug, we're going to save you for last. Oh, don't just do that. Amy V, you're up. You're, you're. The Word became flesh. Yes. And dwelt among us. Yes. You. And we beheld his glory, the glory is only the begotten of the Father, full of grace. and Bam! Exactly right. Good job, Doug. You're up next. All right. Now I'm messing with you. 14. Thank you. You got to say the reference before and at the end too, right? Like just like when you in your little. There okay. you go. Sorry. <laughs> And the Word became flesh. It did. And dwelt among us. It did. And we beheld His glory. We did. As of the only begotten of the Father. That's right. Full of grace and truth. That's right. Excellent. John 114. Boom. <laughs> awesome. Good job. Ms. Darla? And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory. The glory as the only begotten of the Father. That's right. Full of grace and truth. Perfect. Nice. John. John yeah. Once you say it, go. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory, glory of the only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. Boom. Good job, Stephen. <laughs> and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. It did. And we have seen his glory. There you go. The glory of the only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. So you did the ESV. ESV. East. East. Nice. 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 All right. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, uh, full of grace and truth. Uh, we beheld His glory, glory, as of the Son from the Father. That'll work. Inverted, but yes, the words were there. That'll work. Cool. Anybody else? Last chance. Last chance. Going once. Going twice. All right. Let's get started. Get your hand out. <clears throat> we're looking at the atonement today. So last week, uh, uh, we looked at the, the nature of Christ uh, who He was, uh, how that works, and today we're looking at the atonement. So your first blank, the atonement, is the work Christ did in His life and death to earn our salvation, to earn our salvation. So uh, somebody taught me, somebody, a really good Bible teacher a very long time ago, taught me a simple definition for the atonement. Uh, it's your next blank. It's the at-one-ment. The at one meant. So if you break the word up and you, put the, you spell it with some dashes, uh, it, it really explains what's going on with the word atonement. So the atonement is an Old Testament concept. Uh, it's really fleshed out. <laughs> that was funny. Uh, in Leviticus 23, sorry. It just happens sometimes, Carrie. I just can't, you know. It, just, it is what it is. So. Uh, in Leviticus 23, uh, there is described the Day of Atonement. Uh, so, anybody know what the Hebrew phrase for the Day of Atonement is? Yom, Yom Kippur. Kippur. Yes, Yom is day, Kippur is atonement, it's Day of Atonement. Pretty straightforward. So, on Yom Kippur, uh, the High Priest w- uh, of Israel—so this is the kind of most senior-ranking priest of all the priests—would uh, go into a very special place. Where would he go? The Holy of Holies. It was the the kind of the most special, high, highest-ranking person. Uh, theologically on the planet, would go to the holiest place on the planet, and he would offer a sacrifice, and he'd do this once a year. Uh, and this sacrifice was meant to atone or cover the sins of the people for that year. <clears throat> and when they went in, when the high priest went in, uh, he would offer this sacrifice, and he would do it on Yom Kippur, the, what was widely considered to be the holiest day of the year. And most theologians, kind they kind of guess at what what they might have said, what went on in that space. Uh, but a, a common popular belief now is that the high priest actually uttered the tetragrammaton, which is the kind of the unutterable name of God. So when you, when you look through the Old Testament and you see the word uh, Jehovah, Jehovah is not really like a real word. Jehovah is kind of a, a made-up substitutionary word. Uh, you take the vowels from one, from one word of the word for God, and you plug them into another word for the word of God, and they kind of came up with this word that, that would make sure that you never accidentally said the name of God and took it in vain. That was how how serious they were about making sure that you didn't make this mistake. Well, at this time... Most commentators believe that they actually knew what that name was, that the high priest would pass it down to the next high priest, that would pass it down to the next high priest. So a lot of commentators believe that the holiest man on earth walked into the holiest place on earth on the holiest day on the earth and said the holiest word. So all these things came together at this time. This was the day of atonement. So you fast forward to the New Testament. Jesus in the New Testament is this perfect sacrifice, a perfect life, a perfect death, and he serves as our eternal day of atonement, the eternal sacrifice. So just as you've heard me say, Jesus is the true and better uh, David. Right, because he's a king and his kingship will never end. Jesus is the true and better Moses, because he leads his people into a greater freedom. Jesus is the true and better day of atonement, because his atonement never ends and is good for all time, which I think is fantastic. So, a whole lot of theology right there to kind of get started. So I know you had an extra hour, your brains are still mush. I get that. So let's go to uh, John 3.16. Oh, do we need to turn there? We know what John 3.16 says, right? Do we know? You sure? Okay, so let's talk about atonement for a minute. So atonement is the work that Christ did in his life and death to earn our salvation. Simple definition is the at one, O-N-E, one-ment. And so Grudem breaks this up into a couple different sections. The cause of the atonement. uh, We talk about the necessity of the atonement and then the nature of the atonement. Uh, And then we're going to skip the last section that he does because it's a little challenging. All right, so the cause of the atonement. So so what caused God to want to atone us? What caused the atonement? What? God caused the atonement, yes. What did we bring into the equation? We brought Sin. sin and God brought salvation. Christ and he fixed it, right? So, so God is the initiator. So here's your blank. What was the ultimate cause that led to Christ coming on earth and dying for our sins? The love and justice of God. The love and justice of God. It was not because we were so awesome. No. Alright, so all of you with children, you have a homework assignment. You have a homework assignment. Please, you know, some of you know where I'm going to go with this, right? Till next week. What's that? Survive till next week? Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, or your children survived the next week. That's even better. Uh, Here's your homework assignment. I want you to go home, and I want you to find those children's Bibles that are lying around your house. Please find the children's Bible. Turn to the story of Noah and the ark. And I need you to make a correction because they almost all get this wrong. The story will go, the whole earth was bad except for Noah, and Noah was good, and God said how good Noah was, and God picked Noah, and God used Noah to save us all. And the only problem with that is that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says the whole earth was bad, period, and God picked Noah, period, And we're left to assume that it's because God is good, not because Noah was good. So the atonement was this work, this choice of God to come and to save and redeem a people that were not good. So in those children's Bibles, scratch out, Noah was good. Noah was evil and sinful like the rest of us. Noah just was going to obey, which is very helpful. We have a lot of example to follow in Noah, but Noah was sinful as well. All right. Um, I wrote this. Do not tell your children lies to help them sleep at night. Give them a healthy healthy dose of their own sinfulness so they will desire a healthy dose of a Savior. I thought that was pretty good. It's Jesus. All right. So how many of you have heard uh, God hates the sin but loves the sinner? You've heard this before? Yes. This is another lie that we tell our children to help them sleep at night. God hates sin. Yes. Guess what else he hates? He hates the sinner. This is the whole point of today's lesson. If you miss the wrath of God towards man directly, then you do not need a sacrifice. You need something else. Okay? So let's talk about this for a second. Here's a, it's a big fancy word I want you to all to understand before we leave today. So there's three words I want you to know today. This is, this is number two. Atonement's one. Propitiation is the next one. All right. God sent, here's your blank, God sent Christ to be a propitiation, P-R-O-P-I-T-I-A-T-I-O-N, propitiation. You might hear some of our older, more southern preachers, propitiation. Um, There's a couple ways to pronounce it, but that was the way that I learned it. I learned later on in college that that wasn't the proper way to pronounce it, so I had to correct my pronunciation. All right, Romans 3, 25 and 26. Those verses on your handout that you see are highlighted. Those are the ones that we're going to look at today. Romans 3, 25 and 26. When the New Testament wants to use the word atonement from the Old Testament, it uses the word propitiation. So when you see atonement in the Old Testament, this covering, and propitiation in the New Testament covering, they're the same thing, all right? So, what's Romans 3, 25, and 26 say? Josh, you got it? Whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in His blood through faith. This was to demonstrate His righteousness because in the forbearance of God, He passed over the sins previously committed for the demonstration, I say, of His righteousness at the present time so that He would be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Absolutely which is a great way to start our Bible reading this morning. So let's read that one more time. Okay. Now that you're familiar with the words, you know where we're going. All right. Whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation. Who did God display publicly? Jesus, Jesus right? So Jesus is displayed publicly as a propitiation, as a covering. Okay, keep going. In His blood through faith, this was to demonstrate His righteousness. Because in the forbearance of God he passed over... Forbearance. Does anybody have a different word or phrase in your translation? What's that? Is righteousness? Okay. Is forbearance. When you forbear, what it's not a word we use a lot today, right? When was the last time you used the word forbear? says divine forbearance. Divine for even more complicated, right? So now it's not only something that I can't relate to, right? That's fantastic. What do you got, darling? Well, I don't have anything different but I'll look at it as that patience, that long. Yeah, it's the big nose God, right? Y'all know we serve a big nose God? Okay. <clears throat> you know this, right? You remember this? Yes, the long suffering is the, the, the large nose because the anger flares up in a horse's nostrils and the larger a horse's nostrils are, the more anger that horse can contain before some outburst. The forbearance is the, I'm not going to squash you. Right. The forbearance is God's got a smite button and he didn't push it. Okay? So this forbearance. So Jesus is the propitiation in the forbearance of God. Keep going. In the forbearance of God, He passed over the sins previously committed. He passed over the sins. What does this sound like? Passed over. Passover. Yes, excellent. Don't you love it when the Bible makes the theology answer easy? Right. And the Passover was about what? There was blood on the outside covering the entrance, and the angel of the Lord... We won't go too far there. The angel of the Lord passed over this house, and that house was spared because of the blood that was a covering. All right, guys, here's a tip for you. When we tell the stories of the Bible, don't leave out the details, because the details point towards something else. It's not about the door. It's not about the... It's about Jesus serving as a covering for our sin, so that we are passed over from God's wrath. This is the forbearance part. So God is an angry God towards sin and toward those that commit it. If you need a verse for this, Psalm 5.5. 5. You can go memorize that one. Teach that one to your kiddos. I'm going to bet that we don't teach the puggles Psalm 5.5. 5. We, we don't? We don't? Right. Okay, yeah. A little bit of advanced theology there for that. So, uh, God sent Christ to be a propitiation. So, let's make this really, really, really tactical. Have you ever had an argument in your home? No! Oh, we're in church on Sunday morning. No arguments. We've got our happy Jesus face on. Everything's perfect. There's almost a murder on the way here, but that's okay. Everything's all right. Um, yeah, there's been arguments in your home. How do you resolve the arguments in your home? Walk away. Walk away. You drop your eyes and you slowly walk backward, right? Yeah. That is one method, yes. Some of you, some of you use propitiation. Some of you use propitiation, which is appeasing wrath. It is somebody is really, really, I'm up on my toes now describing this, really angry. And something has to be done to kind of calm down and make the anger go away. Right? Whatever that thing is that causes the anger to go down is the propitiation. Time is sometimes a propitiation. But does time always work? Time just usually makes me forget, right? um... (laughs) I promise you, she's shaking her head stronger than you're saying no. That's right. eh? Sometimes chocolate. Sometimes chocolate. There we go. Does chocolate ever work as a propitiation in anybody's house? It would work in my house. I don't know. It would be great. It would be all over the chocolate. It depends on the amount of chocolate. Does sometimes an apology or someone saying, I was wrong, I am sorry, no. Sometimes, right? Sometimes. But the... You've got to have blood. Wow. Darla said there, there must be blood. was <laughs> <It's> like, wow. <laughs> Which is a great movie, but I don't want you to use that theology in your home, right? Okay. All right. So whatever that thing is that... I'm going to give you a good uh, old school word that assuages that wrath. Ooh, you like that? The assuagement of wrath. Whatever makes that go down, whatever whatever turns that high heat on the stove down to where it's livable and manageable. That is the propitiation. We got propitiation? So the first word is atonement, the at one I forgot to give you my example. All right. Anna Grace, would you mind serving as God the Father? So to, you don't have to do anything other than stay right there. Does that work? Awesome. So, I will be the sinner. Okay? I will be the sinner. Santa Grace is God the Father, and I am the sinner. Uh, Jay, would you serve as Jesus? Excellent. So, if... You're not typecasting, okay? Yeah. <laughs> well, my daughter's God the Father, so I don't think we're typecasting too much, right? All right, so, Jay is going to serve as the propitiation. So, Jay is going to uh, <clears throat> take care of the wrath, because God the Father is angry. At me for my sin. He's angry at my sin. So Jay. Oh. So I catch the heat. Oh. Oh, that was good. Say that again. I catch the heat. Oh. You should write that down. That's good. Yes. So who's my defense? Jesus is my defense. Now it's not just enough because I I want relationship there. I want relationship there. So Jesus covers my wrongdoing. Here we go. But He also, He allows for restored relationship. He is my at-one-ment. He is the one that enables me and says, accept, accept, Accept right. So now I can have relationship with the Father because of the at-one-ment, right? So the atonement, and the propitiation, thank you Jesus, I appreciate that. I get excited about this stuff, I don't know if you get excited about this stuff or not. Alright, so the necessity of the atonement, big question here. Uh, was there any other way, like was there any other way for this, for this one month to occur? No, there wasn't. Which is why God went through thousands of years of preparation to pull this thing off. At least 4,000 years of human history were spent getting ready for the Messiah to come, to be the at one to be the propitiation for God's wrath. Uh, Hebrews 2.17, who's got it? I've got it. All right. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. To make propitiation. Isn't that a beautiful... to make propitiate, I'm going to make peace I'm going to make God's anger go down you want, a, you want an assignment you go make God's anger go down you have no tool to do this with Jesus is the only one that can make this happen uh, What else have we got there Hebrews 10:4 got you got it name me. for it is not possible that the blood of wolves and goats to take away so why are we talking about bulls and goats? Because that was the Old Testament sacrifice. Remember the Day of Atonement, the high priest would offer up an animal, and and Hebrews says what? It is ha- it is what kind of possible? Mostly not. It says not. That sounds like not. <laughs> so this is so my son last night for Halloween went as Wesley from the Princess Bride which I personally thought was a parenting win because there was no coercion or explanation of this whatsoever. He just came up with this idea on himself. I was like, that was fantastic. Uh, I forgot totally where I was going to go with that. (laughs) Not possible. Excellent. There's a beautiful scene in The Princess Bride where uh, Wesley goes to Max the Miracle Man. You familiar with this, this scene? Miracle Max? Mostly? Miracle Max. Yeah, because he's mostly dead. He's not all the way. There. He's just mostly dead. This is not a it mostly covers. It is not possible to cover sin with the bulls, blood of bulls and goats. But we have a better propitiation. We have a complete, we have an eternal propitiation in Jesus Christ. Jesus' blood covers eternally. Which is fantastic. Which means I don't have to worry about a high priest once a year messing something up. Because they tied a rope around the high priest's ankle when he went into the Holy of Holies. Because if he messed something up, God killed him on the spot. And they had to drag him out dead. And then the backup high priest went in with a rope around his ankle. ankle. You know, I I think the only job worse than being the high priest was the backup high priest. Because there was really only one reason that you would be needed. Right? Because the guy that taught you how to do it just died. Because he did it wrong. So it makes you wonder, hmm, I think I need a procedure on this. <laughs> yeah, all right. That was for my TVA friends. There you go. Right, good. Just want to make sure you caught that, all right? All right, Hebrews 10, 25, and 26. You got it, Dave? Yep. Not that he should offer himself as a high priest enters the most holy place every year. Oh, I jumped ahead of myself. All right, keep going. Yep. With yep. the blood of another. Uh, he then would have uh, had to suffer often. Since the foundation of the world, but now, uh, once at the end of the ages, he has appeared to put away sin by sacrifice of himself. But once he did this. One time time he did this. Jesus does not have to come and die every single year. Yes. Amen. This is a win. What's that? Or every single Sunday. Or every single Sunday, right? Yeah, I mean, just once. Check the box. We're good. Propitiation has been made. This is a beautiful, beautiful thing. All right. So the nature of the atonement. The nature of the atonement. I'm going to give you a couple of terms here. Uh, Grudem talks about Christ's obedience for us. This is called His active obedience. Your next blank, His active obedience. He's got Romans five nineteen. I got Go for it, Justin. Whereas by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. Alright, so this is the reason you do not hook your horse up to the wagon of evolution. Alright? When you hook your horse up to the wagon of evolution and you say there were thousands and thousands of people and then all of a sudden like God, you know, sin came through like this group and they were kind of all but you have a problem. God made a man named Adam. He made a a woman named Eve. He put him in a garden called Eden. Things went poorly. If you have multiple people to start the world, where does sin come from? You have a problem at that point, right? See, we get into sin through one man. We get out of sin through one man. It's a different man. You get in one way, you get out one way. Read the verse again for me, Justin. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So this is Adam in the garden. So also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. That's Jesus. So Jesus is the true and better Adam. He passed his test in the garden. It was a much more difficult test. So that's his active obedience. Christ had to live a life of perfect obedience to God in order to earn righteousness for us. I okay, got here's a question for you, Greetam poses. I thought it was, I've been working on this one for a few weeks now. If Jesus had only needed sinlessness and not also a life of perfect obedience, he could have died for us when he was a young child rather than when he was 33. That's why he had to live a perfect life. He had to live a perfect life. All right, number two, Christ's sufferings for us, sometimes called his passive obedience, and these are just theological terms. I just want you to be familiar with. So this is, in addition to obeying the law perfectly for his whole life on our behalf, Christ also took on himself the sufferings necessary to pay the penalty for our sins. So Hebrews 12, 3 and 4. If you want a homework assignment, I'm giving like 17 homework assignments today. Sorry, feeling very academic. Got my Grudem sweater on today, right? Um the Book of Hebrews is a fantastic book of the Bible to discuss and to learn more about this sacrifice of, God, of Jesus Christ and how this works and how it relates to the Old Testament. It's a great assignment if you want to learn more about this topic. So Hebrews what was it? Twelve three, 12, three and four. Who's got it? Consider you have it? Thank him. you. Go ahead. Consider him who endures such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. You have not yet resisted. You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. I probably have the wrong one written down. All right, Isaiah 53.3. Does anybody know this off the top of your head? (laughs) Sorry, I got nothing. Your Sunday school teacher makes mistakes too. Yes. Here's the beautiful thing about this. I literally have a PDF of this entire chapter and copied it and pasted it into Word. So I must have physically changed the number to have gotten the wrong verse. Wonderful. Yes, it's great. Isaiah 53.3. Who's got it? And we held him in low he was what? He was despised. He said it a couple of times, right? And he suffered. Yeah. His life was a life of being despised. Like the whole thing. Yay! Sign me up for Messiahship. No, you, you don't want any part of this. Only God could have filled this role. He suffered his whole life. There was obviously the pain of the cross. I, I mean, do we need to read a whole bunch of verses about the pain of the cross? We're going to, yes. Uh, A couple different parts of this pain. So Grudem talks about the physical pain and death. So we understand that the cross itself, when Jesus died on the cross, when he was crucified on the cross, there was physical pain and death that was associated. I want to talk about the other stuff, the other pain that was associated with that. Number two, the pain of bearing sin. Here's your next blank. The pain of bearing sin. Galatians 3.13. Paul's going to drop the mic here. You got it, Tim? Yeah. Awesome. Speak up good and loud. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, every, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. So Christ became a curse for us. So he became my sin to pay for my sin. And he did. It was a beautiful, beautiful thing. Uh, abandonment. Matthew 27, 46. Matthew 27, 46. Who's got it? Matthew's easier to find than Galatians. I would have thought like 16 people had this. Aren't? About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lay... Namah Thank you. Yep. <laughs> that is, my God, my God, why have, that, why have you forsaken me? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now think about this. So, so inside the Trinity... I'm going to mess up the verbs because the verbs, English verbs don't work. So <laughs> to describe this, they don't. It's beautiful. So inside the Trinity, there is, was, and always was uh, perfect union. And God at this time has placed the sin of the world on His Son. Jesus has accepted this. He's accepted the sin. We're in the process of paying for the sin of the world. And God turns away from His Son. First time in the history of the universe. The only time in the history of the universe. It didn't last long. But in that moment, Jesus cries out, Why have you forsaken me? God turns away. This is a a divine person that has never known isolation. Whole new thing happened right there whole new thing. is how big the crucifixion was. And then number four, bearing the wrath of God. Bearing the wrath of God. Who's got 1 John 4.10? And this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Right. He is the propitiation. He is the appeasement of God's wrath. The only way God's wrath is appeased is when it is poured out. God's wrath in the Bible... Uh, Carrie, can you wheel that trash can up here for me? God's wrath in the Bible is described as a drink many times in the Old Testament. And it, it is an analogy that we are not used to because we do not associate drinks with like anger. Thank you very much. There are uh, that's good. I appreciate it. There are there are things that can happen that, that work where, where someone drinks of the wrath. They take that upon themselves. I want, you to sh- I want to show you what happened. Jesus drank of the wrath of God, but God poured it out on him like had never been done before in the history of the world. And all sin in the universe from the beginning of time to the end of time was poured out on him in that moment. And then God looks away. Now, what was the, what were the words that he used? The words that he used, "My God, my God." Why have you forsaken me? Is there a footnote in any of your Bibles next to that verse? I love it when I ask a question. I know the answer. <clears throat> it only happens like twice a day. Psalm what? 20. Psalm twenty-two. Let's go to Psalm twenty-two. Psalm 22 is beautiful. Psalm 22 was written by whom? David. David. When was Psalm 22 written? Approximately a thousand years before Jesus shows up. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a minute and read Psalm 22 to yourself. And if the person next to you does not have a copy of the Scripture, make sure they can read Psalm 22. This was written a thousand years before Jesus shows up. does Jesus quote? First the first verse. Now, let me remind you. I've taught you this before, but let me remind you. This is the, the Hebrew way of telling someone a lot of information, is to quote the beginning of a passage, and you're not really talking about just that. You're talking about all the stuff that comes after that as well. This is how, this is how Jewish teachers were trained They were trained in the art of rabbinical questions. Rabbis were trained by saying, here's a verse. The student would then respond. He would have to know that whole passage, and they would respond with a verse somewhere else in the Bible that answered that question. But he wasn't really answering with that verse. He was answering with the verses that came after that. And the rabbi would know that passage, and he would answer the verses that came after what the student answered with another verse. And they would play this game back and forth, and to the uneducated listener, it was completely ridiculous because you had to memorize all of the Scripture to understand this. And Jesus is saying, I'm talking about Psalm 22. I am the fulfillment of Psalm 22. You want to talk about a mic drop? (laughs) There's your mic drop, Albert. Psalm 22. And he does this while he is loving us. What manner of man is this? Psalm 22. It's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful passage. All right. A couple other things on the backside of your handout. Are we on the backside of your handout yet? Now we are. Excellent. All right, so the further understanding of the death of Christ. I could not let us talk about the atonement. I have too much academia in me. Without that next paragraph, just go read that. There's some great terms in there. This is the penal substitution, vicarious atonement. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful stuff uh, that unfortunately I do not have time to talk about. It's okay. All right, so New Testament terms, just D now. New Testament terms describing the different aspects of the atonement. Number one is sacrifice. There had to be a penalty of death that was paid. And Christ died as a sacrifice for us. This is Hebrews, like the whole book, but 926 is good. Number two, propitiation. If you can spell it without flipping over to the other side, good for you. Prop it, I-A-T-I-O-N. Propitiation. Christ died as a propitiation for our sins. Number three, reconciliation. We're separated from God. We had to have somebody to provide reconciliation, to bring us back into fellowship with God. Number 4, redemption. He bought us back. Worthless, broken, sinful, evil, wicked, haters of God, he bought us back. Unbelievable. Colossians 1:13, who's got it? Sorry, I skipped 2 Corinthians. We got it. We got to move. Colossians 1:13, who's got it? Tim? For well, He rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son. You remember that? He transferred us. He translated He moved us. He picked us up and put us in a new place, a better place. We are redeemed. Grudem says, We have been delivered from bondage to the guilt of sin and from bondage to its ruling power in our lives. A beautiful, beautiful thing. Now, you see that D? The extent of the atonement? Ain't nobody got time for that. (laughs) This is right around it. You see that? That's how that works. All right, so the extent of the atonement is answering the question, did Jesus Christ die for all men's sins, or did Jesus Christ die for those that would eventually accept Him and their sins? (laughs) Yes. Great. Questions. You have a link in your notes. If you go to the link in your notes, I have consolidated Grudem's 17-page response to this question in two pages with lots of Bible verses to go and look up. If you go and do that, there may be something for you next week. So I will challenge you to go uh, and to do that. All right, so the last thing is the questions for personal application. This is like your real homework, but it's okay. So great questions this week, great questions this week. Scripture memory passage for next week, Romans 3, 23, 24, 25, and 26, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by His blood, through faith to demonstrate His righteousness, because in His forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness, that he might be the just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. That is a lot. So I'm going to let you pick one of those four verses. I'm going to let you pick one of those four. For each one that you do, a prize awaits. So if you want to do all four, that's four. I'll be having to make a lifeway run this week. All right. Uh, The hymn this week is, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. There were, there's another verse in here that I'd never heard before which I thought was a really good verse. Some of you may or may not know that... uh, How many of you grew up in churches where you sang out of a hymnal when you were young? Yes. How many verses were in each hymn? Four. Four. There were four in old hymn books. Old hymn books. There were five or six or eight sometimes. They consolidated those down. And they cut out some really, really good stuff. So here's when I surveyed the wondrous cross. When I surveyed the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but loss, and poor, poor contempt on all my pride. Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast, save in the death of Christ my God. All the vain things that charm me most, I sacrifice them to His blood. See from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did e'er such love and sorrow meet, or thorns compose so rich a crown? Here's the new one. His dying crimson like a robe spread o'er his body on the tree. Then I am dead to all the globe, or earth, and all the globe is dead to me. That's some good theology in that one. Were the whole realm of nature mine, that were a present far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. <sighs> Please, people, learn to write like this again. It is good. It is good. It is good. All right, that's the atonement. That's like scratch and sniff level of the atonement. Grudem wrote 38 pages in that chapter. 38 pages. <laughs> <laughs> my brain's going to hurt for months from that chapter, all right? Next week is what? It's on your handout. Next week is the Resurrection and Ascension in November, (laughs) right? I mean, Resurrection in November? Yes, we can talk about the Resurrection in November. It's good. It's about a third as long as this chapter, so probably a little more conversation time next week. So don't forget your uh, memory verse for next week. If you would, at the middle of your table, there's a piece of paper that says weekly update on it. Make sure your prayer requests are on that. Lean in, pray as a group, engage. And uh, thank you for coming to Sunday school today.